Get Booked, our podcast for personalized reading recommendations, has added a weekly bonus episode called The Hand Sell. Jen and Amanda, former booksellers, take five minutes every episode to pitch you a book they think you'll love, with notes about what readers the book is perfect for. The hosts will be focusing on books they haven't talked about much or at all on the show before, so come hear about a new-to-you read. Regular episodes of Get Booked will continue to come out every Thursday with bonus episodes of The Hand Cell coming out every Monday. Subscribe to Get Booked wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlit These Days, we are your Kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Matthew Winner, this week alongside Nicole Young, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on January 30th, 2020. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, Matthew. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join this episode of Kid Lit These Days. Welcome. <laughs> Who are you, Nicole? We've had a lovely <laughs> chat before recording. We did. But for folks that, that don't know you or your work at large, could you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, I have been living in New Orleans for the past five years, working as an educator and a policymaker, um, and I'm also a writer. And my writing is centering stories about young Black girls, uh, both in picture books and middle grade books. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I will say, as a librarian, I look forward one day to reading your books <laughs> because, <laughs> for real, I do. But maybe more importantly, I look forward to handing them to children because that's even greater. Yeah. That's what I'm Sharing excited that about, book too. Love. Sharing the book well, love with the babies. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Speaking of book love, the focus of today's episode is the 2020 Youth Media Awards, which were just announced this Monday, January 27th, at the American Library Association's Midwinter Conference in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. These are, these are the Oscars, the Academy Awards <laughs> of Children's Literature. Chances are, if you have seen a shiny sticker on the cover of a book, it has come from the Youth Media Awards. We're talking about the Caldecott and the Newberry, the Coretta Scott King, the Pora Belpre, and actually all told 21 different award recognitions. So we are going to get into that later. Nicole, are you excited to get into that? I am. I feel like the Caldecott <laughs> and the Newberry books were the highlights of my uh, my nerdy elementary and middle school days. I loved those books. Ugh. Always, always some books that are so good to go back to They're as great. well. So I can't wait to get into that with you. But first, why don't uh, you start us off with our first sponsor? Sure. It's a new year, and that means new perks. We've sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level. And you can try out any level for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read available to all epic members. There is no cap on Epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter will read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up 
at insiders.bookriot.com. So, Nicole, we're talking about book awards, and specifically, we're talking about those book awards given by the American Library Association or one of their affiliates. And I say that because we'll link to a press release of all of the Youth Media Awards announced, but this year was the first time ever announcing the American Indian Youth Literature Award, which is an affiliate uh, award, as is the Sidney Taylor Book Award. So the American Indian Youth Literature Award comes out every other year, and I have a feeling we're going to be bringing up that award not only a number more times today in our chat, but also in the future, because uh, there is some really wonderful, powerful, important stuff coming out in children's literature that's centering Indigenous voices and is written by, created by Indigenous voices. And so um, (laughs) this is an award that's like a good place to start for your libraries. But I also know, and I want to give you a chance to share, there were a lot of things we were all celebrating about this momentous Youth Media Awards. What was a highlight for you? I think for me, and we talked a little bit about this, I was so excited by how many authors and illustrators of color um, that were highlighted and how many books that were centering black and brown children were highlighted. I think this was, you know, we we talked about, you know, youth media awards and the book awards being a big part of my childhood, your childhood, right? Getting excited about the awardees. And I remember as a kid, not seeing many books that represented me or my story or my identity. And to see so many win this year was such an exciting thing. Um, And I think, as you said, like the American Indian Youth Literature Award, we're going to be talking about that because there were so many great stories. And and it's important because those those identities, those American Indian identities have been largely erased from kids' literature. And so it's really exciting to see so many authors and um, writers of color being highlighted and their work being highlighted. You know, you get that book award, and it's a pretty solid guarantee that your book will stay in print forever. Yeah. (laughs) And also, I'm positive this week, many, many librarians, public and school, were ordering these books, sometimes for the first time, Mm -hmm. because they have these awards. So the award itself... Uh, launches sales, which is actually why I think it's like, I'm like giddy about the Newbery Award winner. This is the first time ever we have had a graphic novel win the Newbery Award. It's we have had honors deal. before. Mm-hmm. It is huge. And this book is so amazingly good. But the, the thing that I'm tickled about is that there are, I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, um, in the, the Caldecott can give up to five honor books as well as its one winner. And a couple years ago, we had all five honor books named. And one of those books was a graphic novel by Jillian Tamaki and her sister. I'm, the title of the book is escaping me. I feel like it's called That One Summer. It's something very close to that. I'll link it in the show notes, whatever it is. Um, but why I say that is because so many of us rushed out to get that book. And um, it turns out that's a graphic novel that is a coming-of-age graphic novel. So <laughs> all of us in the elementary schools were buying it and then going, oh, this is really pretty, but not appropriate no, for not us. Appropriate. This One <laughs> but, Summer, I think is what it's called. This, this One Summer. summer. The New Kid, likewise, is going to be, that's what I'm giddy about. It's just going to be bought by mm-hmm. all these librarians. And some librarians who don't have a ton of graphic novels or perhaps any graphic novels in their collection are going to buy this book. And they're going to see that this is a comic and a really 
beautiful one that centers an experience that is not often told in children's literature. We'll get into that when we get into our book talks, but that blew my mind. And as you were saying too, the representation of voices of color was unlike anything we've seen before. In particular, every single recipient of the Caldecott honor and award were, uh, were people of color. Yeah, that hasn't chills. happened before. I'm getting chills as you say. Yes, it's a big deal. It's huge. We have yet to see. We'll, we'll get there. This was leading up to this. All of us do these mock awards, right? These mock book awards. <laughs> and we're waiting. We're still waiting for that day uh, where a woman of color will win the Caldecott. But this year showed us, I believe, that we're closer than we think. I agree. <laughs> I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about books with you. But also, I can't wait, Nicole, for you and others to hear our guest today. I oh, thought it would be fun to learn how these awards happen because book awards are sort of secretive. You see this shiny sticker on the book itself. But beyond knowing the name of the book, I really don't know much about what happens behind closed doors to get those books selected. So we invited on Dr. Emily R. Aguila Perez to speak to us. Uh, Dr. Perez served on the Pora Belpre Award, which is uh, why this is significant to our conversation. But let me give you some of her back information. She's an assistant professor of English children's literature at Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Her teaching and research are in the areas of children's literature, particularly Latinx literature, girlhood studies, and children's cultures. Her published work has focused on girlhood as represented in literature and Puerto Rican girls' identity formation with Barbie dolls. Fascinating, right? Makes you want to read that paper. I mean, the girlhood studies, you had me at girlhood studies. I want to know. I know, right? (laughs) Wait, there's more. She's presented (laughs) research on Latinx children's books at various conferences and has served on children's book award committees such as the 2017 Lee Bennett Hopkins Poetry Award and the 2018 Pora Belpre Award. And currently, she is part of the Pennsylvania Center for the Books a Baker's Dozen committee, and contributes reviews for Latinx in Kidlet, one of my favorite blogs. Please welcome Dr. Aguilo Perez. My name is Dr. Emily Aguilo Perez. Um, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and I moved to Pennsylvania in 2012 to do my PhD at Penn State, and my focus was on um, children's literature, childhood studies. My research back then was actually on Barbie and um, Barbie play in Puerto Rico. But my current work is Latinx children's literature, and I teach courses in children's literature. So all of these, um, being part of ALA and the different committees has all been part of my academic, but also service, professional life. That is so cool. And you are indeed one of those individuals when I have the chance to go to ALA, like when it's in Philadelphia, so it's close enough to me. You are one of the individuals walking around saying, I can't say anything, but our committee has finished. Yes. (laughs) I, I love knowing that you're one of the folks that is trying really hard not to accidentally say a thing or give an expression on your face. But but that you you've had the opportunity to serve our 
our professional organization in that way. So I know from, I guess, a, a mutual friend or contact, Juana Martinez Neal, that uh, you served on the Porta Belpre Committee. Can I ask, well, first, what year did you serve? Was it 2018? It was 2018. Um, Do you remember some of your, some of the uh, books that were recognized that year? The ones that, so yes, um, our winner for um, illustration was The Princess and the Pea, so it was Juana Martinez Neal. Then we had um, All Around Us was an honor, and then the other honor was um, Frida and her animalitos. Mm. John Parra was the <laughs> illustrator for that. And then for our author, we had Lucky Broken Girl was our winner. And then our honors were the um, the epic fail of Arturo Zamora and the first rule of punk. Yes, that was the year I knew it. Yes. I knew it was the year Celia was also recognized. What? What yes. a powerhouse year. Oh, was, my word. We are very, I mean, there's, we can't say a lot about like the conversations we had, but I feel like the entire committee, I mean, I think all committees feel very proud of the books that they choose, but I, I know I'm very proud of those books and I know I had nothing to do with the writing. So it's not like <laughs> I, I produced any of that, but I know I tell people when I introduce them now, like to my students or to anyone, it's kind of like introducing like a niece or a nephew. I don't know. I had nothing to do with the writing, so I can't take credit for any, anything, but just being part of the committee that, that chose them and that, uh, got had the pleasure of reading them and and talking about them it's it's really cool that that sounds amazing and even <laughs> just to hear you lovingly i can hear you smiling saying <laughs> re referring to the books as some of your nieces and nephews in that in that deep close love and affinity i i would love to know more about what it means and looks like to serve on a committee so why don't i just start mm -hmm. at the beginning by asking you what drew you to serve on or to apply for the Porta Belpre Committee? Or, or maybe the journey starts a little before that. So I started, um, my first committee, the first committee I served on was not an ALSC or ALA committee. It's, um, it's the Lee Bennett Hopkins Award, which recognizes poetry. And that one is um, sponsored by the Pennsylvania Center for the Book, and it's hosted at Penn State, which is where I was doing my PhD. And when I served on the committee, I think I was already faculty. I, so I was there as um, temporary faculty for a couple of years. And so that was my first experience in a committee. I was asked to serve. I was, you know, I had never served in a committee before, but with my students, something that I would teach them and talk about was evaluating children's literature. What are the elements that you should be looking at? And depending on, you know, the kind of, um, like if you're looking at the writing, if you're looking at the illustration quality, and a lot of them were teachers. So if you're looking at the books as a potential teaching tool, so to get the experience of actually evaluating a book in a committee was really neat. And um, I started to get involved in ALA, um, I think that year or the next, and I was, I, I thought, let me volunteer. When I filled out the volunteer form um, as part of 
as part of Reforma and ALS, so I did both. I checked on the committee, the award, because I, I knew about it and I wanted to participate in it, but I didn't think that I was going to get chosen, and I did. Um, Your first time? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I, I was really excited um, and, and nervous, too, because I, I wasn't sure you know, what to expect. Um, but sure. And that's and a I, neat way to go into yeah. this, Emily. That you, you don't know, you're aware of what the award is, but you don't know what to expect to, to serve on mm -hmm. that committee, what that will look like. Yeah. I feel like that must've been a moment where your senses were just like your spidey senses were on. You were really paying attention to everything. Everything. Yes. So, Bora Belvray was your first ALSC committee. We, <laughs> as a school librarian, quite frankly, there's there's a lot of mystery and intrigue surrounding mm -hmm. these book awards. I've come to know a little bit more being a podcaster and going to ALA for 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 that. But I I can't serve on any of these awards, or else I I know I'd have to give up the podcast because I I know that one of the rules is that. You can't talk about, obviously, you can't talk about the books that could be considered right. for your award outside of committee. That that makes sense. Are there any other sort of uh, details that you might be able to give us a sense of? I know that you all read a lot of books, depending on what the committee is. Yes. But how, <laughs> what was your stack? How tall was your stack? And how did you sort of manage... <laughs> moving forward through that and then also what did the actual you, you know like you're gaining these skills of looking at books critically how did you uh, apply that to then serving on this committee and looking critically if I can connect those two mm -hmm. so in terms of the the number of books I honestly I was trying to go back to kind of like a list or and I couldn't find it. I know we had many books and with, I mean, it's not for the Pura Belpre because it's only books by and about Latinx um, culture, then it narrows it down a lot. So we certainly did not read as many books as someone in the Newberry committee would, obviously, because they, they're looking at more, um, many more books. But it's definitely, I think it was in the hundreds. And it, so for <laughs> some of it, I mean, I can't disclose any of the books that we consider, but what kind of just to give an idea, it's you're looking at books that were published in the U.S. in that year. So our, or the previous year. So ours was 2018. So it's books that were published in 2017. And um, there are certain criteria that they have to fit. So, um, you know, are the, is the author or illustrator? So if you're considering a book for illustrator, is it Latinx um, or not? And so there were books that we received from, so we put out a request. I think Alice does that. And then uh, publishers send out books for the committee to consider, but there's also books that we consider on our own that we're looking at. If we go to a library, we're keeping our eye out for any books that could be considered first. Um, like, it does it fit 
the the basic criteria. Um, and I think also we had, um, and I don't know if this happens with all committees, but I think the community can also suggest, like the ALS community, the ALA community can suggest books just to say like, here are some books that maybe could be considered for this award. And then, so we have a lot of books that are, uh, that we're reading and that we're, um, if, if one of us in the committee sees a book um, and then we inform the rest of the committee to go look for it and, and try to uh, read it because you want to read as much as possible so that you have a very informed, as informed as you can of a decision. Um, mm. So, but there's a, there's a, a number of you on this committee, right? How many were on your committee? Purabelpre were, there were six committee members and a chair. And so three are, they're placed by Reforma and then three by us because it is a joint committee or it mm-hmm. is a co-sponsored committee. So, um, so it's three and three and then the chair. Um, I think the chair is appointed by Reforma as well. And I assume you're from all over the country. So how, what does it look like to discuss these books? Are you only discussing them when ALA annual and then ALA midwinter happens or are, are you, or maybe all of the committees function a little differently? They they function a little differently. I think, um, and especially those that have hundreds of books, I'm, I'm guessing they work a little different for us. And I think, now things might change too. So I don't know what the, um, in the next few years, how the process is going to work. But for us, there was not any deliberation happening online. Um, and the communication had to be very confidential and we had to make sure that we were using the right channels to, um, email and, um, send out nominations and suggestions. So there were different points where we, suggest made suggestions and this is in the manual so this is stuff that i can talk about (laughs) um but these are okay (laughs) uh, (laughs) but these are these are um the so the suggestions are books that we think should be considered but then we make nominations and these are books that we want to make sure that we we feel fit the criteria and that are contenders so there were two or three points in the year when we had those nominations. And so we just had to nominate and then write a brief description or reasoning for why we were nominating this. And then also are we nominating it for illustrator, for author, for both, depending on, you know, where it fits. But then the, the conversation, the discussion of the books happened during midwinter. So we were okay. there Friday morning and I think we we went Friday I think we extended the time we just wanted to make sure that we had enough time so I think we stayed a little longer than um the time allotted. And and I think a lot of the committees do that too. They just try to get as much done on Friday. And then Saturday we met again and that was a day that we had to make the decision because then Sunday morning we had to have, um, or either I think some committees might 
end up deciding Sunday morning, but you have to send out the information for the press release. Um, mm -hmm. And then you make the call um, that Sunday night. We, we all got together in a room <laughs> making the calls, and that was really exciting. Uh, but then you're also like, I don't want to talk to anyone at all. Like I, because I, you know, you don't, you don't want to like let it slip out. Um, so I know that a lot of people just like, they're like, don't talk to me <laughs> during midwinter. I don't want to talk to you <laughs> because you, you really don't, don't want to, uh, you know, make a mistake. And, um, but no, so it was really exciting because then, you know, that Sunday night we got to call the winners and tell them, you know, celebrate tell maybe your family in your household but don't tell anyone yet because we everyone else finds out monday morning mm -hmm. so i have a, a few quick follow-ups sure. yes that I, I i just out of curiosity i wonder if this is something you would recommend other librarians do at, at a time in their career that that might be best fitting for them is this something that you would do again or that you have done again and that you suggest to others to do the book award, I would definitely yeah. do it again. Um, there was actually something we were, even this morning during the award um, announcements, uh, there were a few librarians behind me. I think this was their first year and they were asking about, you know, how do you get in a committee? And, mm -hmm. and that's how I was talking a little bit um, about that and just saying, you know, part of it, it's also, do you have the time and I mean, all of us, we're all really busy. So it's not like anyone has just the time to sit, sit and read 700 books and not do anything else. Although that would be <laughs> ideal. <laughs> but, um, but it is a, it is a, it is hard work in that you are reading and you're reading for pleasure, but you're also reading critically, which is something that, like I think it helped that I was teaching that to my students right like we we read for pleasure and for the entertainment and then mm -hmm. you read like if you're evaluating there's a different kind of reading that happens because now you have to pay attention to depending on what your committee is and what the criteria is then you have to be paying attention to that whether it's you know the text um whether it is the the illustration the art itself um the, the formatting, whatever it is that you're evaluating. Now you have to be paying attention to those things. So it's, it's not, people think, and especially with picture books, people think that it's a quick read. And those of us who work with books know that it's not really like that. <laughs> but it, I think especially with, um, with evaluating, like you're paying attention to all these little details because at the end, when you have, when it's narrowing down to, like the top contenders and you have to pick a winner, those little details are the ones that you know, end up sometimes I think making the, the like, or helping with the decision. Um, so. So uh, Emily, I'd love to know, um, I know that you're thinking about readers and sort of juggling the hats of, being a critical evaluator, but also knowing that these books are centering children and centering readers and navigating mm -hmm. that. I wonder, having served on the Porta Belpre and having served on these other committees, how you feel that these awards serve readers? 
What greater good are they doing, or maybe even publishing as a whole? But from the inside looking out, how do you see this work rippling through our our profession and, and through our, our, our nation? I, um, so one way that I think it's really helpful to have these awards, and again, I think it depends on the type of award or the community it is because they're looking at different things. So there's a different one that is not ask that I work on, which is about family literacy. So we're looking at these books more in terms of families um, and children who are just learning to, you know, um, read and, and acquire language. So how would this book serve them? But I think for me, one of the, beauties of these awards and, and there's there are obviously improvements that could um, happen with awards right and I think part of it is that you know who who is it really serving or are, are we always keeping children in mind but I think for me um, awards in general but it, I think especially something like the put up like the CSK um, like the um, American Indian Association Awards, where you're having these places where liter- literature that was not represented in the quote-unquote bigger awards before, they're having a place to say, we are here, we, we like, there is amazing work that we do by writers and illustrators of these underrepresented groups. And at the same time, then the readers can see books where they see themselves reflected are being um, recognized and are getting these awards. But then we're also highlighting books that maybe other people wouldn't have seen because in the past they weren't um, highlighted as much, sadly. So I think that they serve a, they serve, um, I think, children in that, they provide them just all these books that say these are good qualities. We think that you would enjoy these for these reasons. Yes. Look at them. Right. And Thank I think you. that, yeah. And, and I think that that is one of the reasons why I love serving in, in committees and why I get excited about these books, because I mean, of course there's also, acknowledging the work of the authors and the illustrators who are, you know, creating these books um, and, and as a way saying, thank you, we value what you do, um, but also just ways for children to have more access or something like today we were mentioning New Kid and how, you know, for the first time a graphic novel wins a Newbery and um, how many children here in their lives that graphic novels are not real books and now they have one that is amazing that has such wonderful representation and it's also a graphic novel and a child can say well you know what this book won a Newbery so graphic novels are real <laughs> literature right like and I think it's something that it's that an award has to kind of make that happen to to provide the evidence right. for that, right? Like a child. I, I mean, I'm someone who, whenever I hear a person say, "Well, graphic novels are not real," I'm, I'm 
I they hear me <laughs> for a few minutes talk about why they are real books, but then I feel like now this kind of solidifies, right? And I think um, this is just one example of how the awards can help you know a child feel like what they're reading is good that what they're reading um represents them and and so i i don't know and i think for publishing i mean obviously these books as soon as they get the the medal i, I mean the sales skyrocket all the books all the schools are going to start reading them so um it's it's a good way for for them to you know keep highlighting the books yes. that they're creating um, i think that it's it's powerful how many librarians will purchase these books because <laughs> committees like the one you served on selected them not that they wouldn't be uh buying these books otherwise but it there's a a trust in mm -hmm. these committees that we place. And so you're right. Having more people fight this fight to center these books doesn't mm -hmm. hurt. It only helps to have more people helping to center these books or helping make it easier for librarians to center these books because they're in the name of, of high-quality literature, of recognized and honored literature, and individuals who are helping bring that literature to children. Right. Not just the and authors think... and the illustrators, but you, the aunts and uncles <laughs> of these books, as it were. <laughs> and I think also for, for a, if I may, um, for committees like the Pura Belpre, and we... It's none of the committees, none of the winners. If we look at the past, and especially with the older awards, there are books that can be problematic. But I think it helps to feel like um, something like the Pura Belpre, like the CSK, um, these more kind of specialized awards. We, as you said, we were trusting a committee, and it's not like the committee is perfect. With, I mean, we're there are flaws and um but but i think it helps to know like if i want to know what books um about um indigenous peoples i should be bringing into my classroom that are not going to be problematic that are not going to be riddled with stereotypes then i would you know i would start with the this the the book the books that have been awarded um instead of just like trying to find whatever and then it could be a very problematic book. And um, so I think in, in that sense, they also help. Like I said, I mean, it, it doesn't mean like in the past, any winner of any kind of award wouldn't, and there wouldn't be an issue to be raised. But I think for the most part, it helps to know that these books, you know, experts in different areas felt like they were good quality and good content. Um, so, and I think it's also really neat, like today, I was so happy to see books that were um, in different categories or different awards, right? So it's not just, you know, like Latino books are only winning in the Latino um, category, but they're also winning in these other ones. So I think it's really beautiful to see that because, um, I mean, there's always 
more <laughs> that could be um, improved and better, but just to see that th these books are being recognized, not just as a special category, but also all the, what we think are the main or the bigger categories because they're, they've been there longer. Um, so, so I think it's really, it's exciting. I was really excited about today's <laughs> picks <laughs> for, for more, like all of the, all of the awards. So <laughs> Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming and joining us on Kidlet these days and talking to us about your experience on Bora Belpre and and how you and others like you are helping to bring the best books, stories, representation to our readers. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you for having me. This is it's wonderful. And I, anytime I get to talk about children's books, then <laughs> it's great. Middle School Bites by Stephen Banks, with illustrations by Mark Fearing, and published by Holiday House, is this week's sponsor. Thanks to a series of unfortunate bites, Tom is now part vampire, part werewolf, and part zombie, just in time for middle school. So much for his Invisible Tom plan, he never thought to make a what-if-I-turn-into-a-vampire-werewolf-zombie plan. With the help of his best friend Zeke, Tom tries to make the most of his new life as a vam-wolf-zom. But how do you hide from the sun during gym class? Does Burger King make rare hamburgers? You will howl with laughter reading this new series by head writer on SpongeBob SquarePants. This new series is perfect for fans of Diary of a Wimpy Kid and The Last Kids on Earth. And the famous stage magicians Penn and Teller, yes, the Penn and Teller, loved this book and called it Laugh Out Loud Funny. This is the start of a new series. Book two is coming this fall. Thank you, Middle School Bites and Holiday House, for sponsoring Kidlet these days. And now... It's time for our book talk segment. Folks, we are talking about winners of the YMAs this uh, episode. But if you have other books to share, please do hop on social media and use hashtag KidLitTheseDays or uh, email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com to let us know what you're excited about. And you don't need to write a single thing down. All of our show notes will be at BookRiot.com slash listen and find this episode of KidLitTheseDays. So, Nicole, why don't you start us off with a book? Unless sure. we can both be giddy about New Kid. I know that. Yes. Um, um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I want to, I mean, I haven't read New Kid, but I am really excited about this kind of golden age of, um, of graphic novels that's happening in the middle grade space. Um, I think there's some really great stuff happening there. So Wait, um, you haven't read New Kid? Can I tell you about it? I ha yes, please, please. Tell me. Oh my word! Okay, <laughs> I get to book talk to my co-host and everybody else. <laughs> New Kid is about I, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember the child's name. It's about a boy who goes to public school who recently has the opportunity to attend a private school. So it's about a cultural shift. It's about um, being outside of your element. It's about um, being at a school whose cultural makeup is not the same as your own and trying to figure out where your space is, where your, where your identity fits in this place. It is a beautiful conversation on colorism, on race, on privilege. And there is intersectionality in every character you meet. Jerry Craft has done a phenomenal job of this book, which not only won the 
Newberry Medal, the John Newberry Medal for the most outstanding contribution to children's literature. But New Kid also won the Coretta Scott King Award for writing. Mm Uh, so it, it it's being recognized duly that way. And I should say, to not put too fine a point on it, this is a graphic novel winning a writing award. Yeah. The writing alone had to be considered. The art, of course, is part of the storytelling, but these are writing awards. So I think that, that really speaks to the legitimacy of of the complex text and stories that are happening in comics. So, Nicole, now you need to go read it and come talk to me about it. <laughs> I'm excited to dig in. I can't wait. Yeah. So good. So um, good. I similarly, I think this is another book that was highlighted in multiple categories, um, was The Undefeated, which is written by Kwame Alexander and illustrated by Kadir Nelson. Um, and it got so much love this year. It was the Caldecott winner. And it was also, um, I think it was an honor book in, it was, it, was it a Newbery honor? Also? It was a Newbery Honor, Caldecott win, and also Credit Scott King Credit illustrator Scott King. win. Yeah. It's just such a, so for me, I love this book for lots of reasons, mostly because I'm obsessed with Kadir Nelson's, um, his illustrations. I think they're fantastic. Um, but it's also, so Kwame Alexander wrote this beautiful poem and the entire, the entire book is set to his poem and Kadir has rendered his, this, like the essence of this poem so beautifully um, and so, yeah, he's one of my favorite illustrators of all times. And I think it's just, he does such a beautiful job of rendering black people, their skin beautifully, their faces beautifully, their, like their lives and their stories beautifully. He, he mentions in a children's book, the middle passage really carefully and beautifully also. Um, so I'm a big fan of the undefeated and I'm so glad that it got so many, so many awards this year. I was telling my students as we were reading this book for our mock credit, Scott King, that this is the illustrator who painted Barack Obama's portrait that hangs in the National Portrait Gallery. No, different. Yeah. Oh, oh, am I wrong? Yeah, it's a different. Oh, I misspoke with them then. I know that he did for um, the Horn book, um, Coretta Scott King's illustration for that cover. Yes. Oh, I'm mistaken that his his yeah. portrait is not the one that hangs. Mm-mm. He has done a beautiful portrait, but it's not the one that hangs. It's not that I'm one. Sorry he that I misspoke. A, a gorgeous one of Henrietta Lacks, also. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's done some great ones. And Kwame's text here, the text that uh, for uh, what is it for those who survived and those who didn't. Mm. Mm. And the blank page. Oh, it's yes. so beautiful. It's oh, we can talk book. about this book forever. It's yeah, I, the back matter too that points to every individual that's portrayed in that book and gives you context for each one. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Um, the one I want to highlight next um, is the winner of the American Indian Youth Literature Award, which, as I said, is announced every other year. It's announced on even years. And it was established to identify and honor the best writing and illustrations by and about American Indians. Um, the winner this year was a picture book called Bow Wow Pow Wow. And um, this book is written by Brenda J. Child, who is um, tribally enrolled in Red Lake, Ojibwe. It was translated into Ojibwe by uh, Gordon Jourdain uh, from the Lac Lacroix First Nation and illustrated by Jonathan Thunder from the um, Red Lake Ojibwe Nation. It's published by Minnesota Historical Society Press, which is not a publisher most folks have on the tip of their tongue. <laughs> Um, and this book was, I, I feel, I remember reading it when it came out, that it was something that I had to experience. It was a book that actually I saw uh, talked about on Dr. Debbie Reese's 
American Indians in Children's Literature blog, and I found the book to be stunning. Uh, I found the illustrations to be captivating, and it it was a book that that took me out of my experience and showed me something new, and to affirm identity in that experience as well as to invite others in, I think is so powerful. So what a great book to be now finding a home in so many different libraries. I love it. I also love anything, any books that have like a bilingual life, right? Especially Mm, for children's books, I think um, are just speak to your point about speaking to an identity, but also inviting people in, right? There's a, a conversation about language and how we engage language, right? And what that means for our identities that, um, I think is beautiful to see represented in children's literature. Agreed. Um, let's see what else I was. I, so I'm a big fan um, of Jasmine Warga's um, other words for home, which yes. was the, was a Newberry <laughs> honor book this year. Such a good book. It's so good. It's, it's so a, good. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to read. Like it is a pleasure to read that book. And it's a story about Jude and she's immigrated from Syria and she ends up in Cincinnati. And it's like all of the, the angst and the real, like the real things that would happen if you are, you know, you are immigrating to such a foreign place. And I also love that it was Cincinnati. I know that's such a small thing, but because, you know, I think people <laughs> often imagine immigrant immigration books or books about immigrants in America they're always taking place in like New York or, you know, like some big city. And oftentimes like people are immigrating to places like Cincinnati, right? And like, are like to small towns and places yeah. that are just like, there's like, there's cultural clashes in ways that you, that don't exist maybe in some of the bigger cities. And so I was really appreciative of just the lens that this book brought um, to an immigration story. And it felt so timely and very important. So, yeah. That book had me from its cover. What beautiful cover design, <laughs> it's, too. It's a fantastic cover. It's so good. I know. Everything, when, good. when everything lands that way, you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, so good. Okay, so I have another one that from the cover is just gorgeous. And I, I hope that many people are reading it, and especially their elementary school, because it's so great. It's called When Aiden Became a Brother. And we've talked about it on this show before. It's written by Kyle Lukoff, illustrated by Keilani Juanita. And it's published by Lee and Lowe Books. This book won the Stonewall Book Award, meaning it was up against, much like a comic, a graphic novel winning the Newbery, this book was up against all books published this year <laughs> that um, are written in English language, mm-hmm. children's and young adult books of exceptional merit relating to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender experience. A picture book won the award. I love it. So I love good. it. I love it. This is a, uh, simply put, it's a story uh, of, of a child who uh, felt that they were not born or they were not assigned the right gender at birth. And Aiden, he has, uh, he was born, um, or he was assigned female at birth, and um, he and his loving parents transitioned, um, or, or, or made that transition to identifying Aiden as a boy. But Aiden worries when he's about to become a brother, will my new sibling go through these same things that I did. Mm. And it's a, uh, a an affirmation of of identity and and the love and space that the people around us can give us and can 
affirm in us. It's just beautiful. Oh my word. I can't oh even. I love it. Is it just me or is it reminiscent of Julian is a mermaid to you? There's like something about like, there's a theme of acceptance and like deep love from the family. Do you remember Julian is a mermaid? I do. I do remember that. What I um, especially love about this story is that it comes from a trans author Mm, who is, is sharing a story uh, from his experience but also, Kyle is a school librarian, <laughs> and when he writes, I can hear, I can hear that he's a school librarian because this book reads aloud so well, and also <laughs> just sees children so well, and helps show the way, helps make it that there's um, no gray area, no shame, no mm-hmm. questioning. It it presents it as the the, the matter of factness that Aiden feels mm-hmm. for his identity it's just i can't i I, we if we don't move on i will talk about this for another (laughs) solid 30 so i'm just saying there is solid reason why this picture book was named the winner of the stonewall book award i love it Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the ones I wanted to highlight is it was the winner of the Schneider um, Family Book Award, which is for books that embody an artistic expression of the disability experience. And so it was written by Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Um, it's called Just Ask, Be Different, Be Brave, Be You. And it's illustrated by Rafael Lopez. And I picked up this book, I feel like earlier this year, because I was looking for books specifically for the kids with disabilities in my life. Um, and I thought that this was a strong one. But I think it's interesting it comes after um, when Aiden be- become, became a brother because I think it's interesting that it came after when Aiden became a brother um, because it's it's not written from the perspective of someone with a disability. And actually some of the other stories are in the um, – in this book award category were not. And so that is one was one of my critiques for the awards this year, particularly for the Schneider Family Book Award, is that I would have loved to see more um, authors writing about students of, uh, or kids with disabilities with disability experiences of their own. Um, and so I'm still waiting for that day, so a more fully realized uh, Schneider Family Book Award um, lift. But I really do love this book. I love Just Ask. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a great book to give to all kids. Um, yeah. I love that the structure of the book. I also love, I should say that Sonia Sotomayor wrote a legit good children's book. She really did. I mean, like no kidding, no kidding. You and I were talking earlier about celebrity book awards this year. And I feel like there's been a strong showing, right? Like I feel like there's been a, Oh, Solway is so good. Oh my gosh. Anyway, but it's so good. But this also to follow the structure of, a child asking a question mm-hmm. and another child answering and mm-hmm. in that developing another question, that idea that we all are connected, but that in order to see how we're connected, we need to talk to each other. We have to ask. We have to yeah, ask. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well done. You know, I, not to make a, a cheesy segue, but speaking of asking, that that looking into other folks culture and stories, I think are, are why I was so drawn to Fry Bread. Uh, the full title is Fry Bread, A Native American Family Story. It's written by Kevin Noble Millard. It's illustrated by Juana Martinez Neal. And this book, among getting recognized for the American Indian uh, Children's Literature Award, that also won the Robert F. Seibert Informational Book Award for Most Distinguished Informational Book for Children, which I think is so interesting because... One, this book 
is sort of a collection of short poems. Mm-hmm. Every page turn is is sort of this little bite size, if you will, poem about what fry bread means in time, in culture, in family, in love, in history. It's it's exceptionally done, and I love that Juana Martinez Neal also shows that native folks look like everyone. Native native folks are not people of color. They look like everyone. That Mm -hmm. that um that native identity is something different. Um but Kevin presents here what I think is twelve? It's five or twelve pages. It is a I'm probably it's probably somewhere in the middle. Let's cut the difference and say (laughs) eight ish pages of back matter. Just going into huge descriptions of each of these of these page turns of these details. Yeah. And, and offering what amounts to, to a way in for everyone, mm-hmm. a mini lesson for everyone. It's, it's stunning. And it, for those that haven't picked it up yet, you need to look at the end papers because Juana Martinez Neal went to the great detail of not only listing each of the over 500, I think it's just over 520, um, tribal nations recognized by the U.S., but also many, many more that are not officially recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a book that Native individuals can literally see their identity in. And for her to go to those stakes to make that happen, I think just speaks to the work that so many folks are doing in children's literature on both sides, in writing and also in libraries and classrooms to center marginalized voices and identities. And that that speaks right back to that hope that you and I were talking about at the top of the episode. I agree. And I think for me, I want to go back to illustrations because I think you're right um, that there are, it shows like the range of identities contained within, right? The indigenous, the Native American experience. But I was just drawn to the details in this book. Like I, first of all, fry bread is one of my favorite things to eat. I love it. And I, but I also <laughs> was just drawn to just these tiny details, right? So like the pottery has these intricate, like, um, patterns on it that are n- native to some, you know, to some tribes. Grandma, as she's like flipping the, um, I think there's like one page where she's like, flipping the fry bread and you can see her arm and she's got the tattoos um, for her tribe on her arm. There's just these tiny little like pieces that are for every reader. Right. But then also I think are supposed to be a a call to people who are from particular tribes or or have an indigenous identity. Um, And I just thought that was really beautiful. I love a little callback, a little Easter egg for different people. So yeah, it's so good. All right. Well, Nicole, we have to get ready to say goodbye to everybody. Um, you and I can talk for four more hours <laughs> about books, clearly. I do, before we go, though, want to give a shout out also to our past guests of Kidlet these days. So many of you were recognized by the Youth Media Awards, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice to run through quickly, but I will make sure that I link to those previous episodes so that you listeners can hear the voices and the stories behind these books. Gitel's Journey by Leslie Newman and illustrated by Amy June Bates was recognized by the Sydney Taylor Book Award. It was honored by the Sydney Taylor Book Award. Stargazing, a wonderful graphic novel by Jen Wang, was uh, recognized by the Asian Pacific and American uh, Children's Book Award. Uh, 
The Indigenous People's History of the United States for Young People, written by Debbie Reese and Jean Mendoza and adapted from the adult book by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, was honored by the American Indian Youth Literature Award. And also, my poppy has a motorcycle. Oh illustrated by I love oh, it so much. <laughs> illustrated by Zeke Pena and written by Isabel Quintero. Published by Coquila. Coquila was on a past episode and uh, was honored by the Pora Bel Prey Award. So many wonderful books. Please do yourself uh, the favor and, and follow that link that we give you in that show notes at bookriot.com slash listen to the press release for the Youth Media Awards and go to your library and check out those books. Well, (laughs) thanks for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast, and we always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter. And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at ittybitty, I-T-T-Y-B-I-T-T-Y-N-Y. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear next on the show. May your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming. 